Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. In this podcast, we're going to do an Ask Rugby Coach Weekly when a coach sends in their question to Rugby Coach Weekly team to answer. In the studio, I have Gary Townsend, the Bristol Bears Junior Academy Manager. Welcome to the show, Gary. Hi there. And we are going to look at another question and we're going to play it now. Hi, Dan. This is Renzo Vedovelli from Rugby Bergamo, Italy. Uh, we are cur- currently working with our team under 15, mainly with number 9, number 10 and 15, but let's say backwards in, in general. On the topic of scanning the situation on the pitch, collecting information while attacking before number 9 moves the ball from the breakdown. Actually, what we see is that they all tend to watch the ball, not the space, not the defense, not the distribution of the team, of the teammates on the pitch. Um, Therefore, we would appreciate appreciate any suggestion and drills able to develop this attitude of reading the situation early before uh, moving the ball from the breakdown. Thank you, Dan. A question which lots of coaches will be thinking about, uh, they'll think about scanning. Uh, we're looking at maybe 9, 10 and 15, but all the players. What's the first thing that comes to your mind is what a coach should be thinking about with scanning, Gary? I think uh, it's dependent on the age of those of those players. I think these are under 15, so I yep. have no, no idea of their background and their um, experiences and what they already understand about the game. Because the, the first question I ask is, what do they understand um, to enable them to scan? And then the second question I ask is, what what is it that you want them to scan for? Um, how many of those players? I think he said, um, I think they've talked about nine, ten, and fifteen. But all the players. And the the, the question I ask is, do you need all of the players to scan? Or do you need the primary decision makers, which is suggested by 9, 10 and 15, I suppose. Um, but the, the next question is, what what exactly is it that you want them to scan for? And once you know that answer, then we can have a look at the solution. So in your mind, uh, we work with some under 15s. What would you be hoping that your better 9s, 10s and 15s are actually seeing? What sort of pictures are coming into their mind which is going to change their decisions well the, the, the thing is that the picture is going to change as they uh, come into play uh, certainly the nine let's start with the nine uh, discuss that in a little bit of detail so that for me the nine would be um, as they approach 
Probably to break down, um, they would be having a look at um, what's available either side of them, what's on, what's not on, uh, who's available. Um, and perhaps as they get better at that, I think it'd be slow to start with, as they get better at that and more um, experienced at that, then their decision making would be a little bit, a little bit sharper. But again, I think that they would probably need, or they would definitely need some training in what exactly they are looking for and then what they're going to do when they see it. So we, we particularly want to think about how you might want to train them. Obviously we want to talk to them, but in a training scenario, what sort of things can you do with the nine to help them? Well, you could do, um, we've spoken about this before actually, but um, I think it's about conditioning your defence to paint different pictures in front of the nine and explore them, or maybe paint the same picture and see what they do and see what the option or options are available to them. So I think conditioning the, the defence, to a degree conditioning the attack as well, although I'm always a little bit wary of that, but certainly conditioning in the defence to uh, push up tight or maybe leave a gap around the, the ruck or the moor um, for the nine to have a look to see if they can exploit, maybe leave the blind side a little bit open so they can have a look at that. It may be that a ten's called a move, it called something on, but the nine is, uh, sorry, the blind side is exposed to them. So uh, it's a slower session, but I think it's a session worth doing in, uh, in terms of that that nine exploring the options that are available to them. So coaches are going to be thinking, right, I understand that I've got to condition the defence. What is that going to look like in a training session? So you're going to say, right, we're going to be working on uh, improving the nines and maybe tens understanding of what they can see in front of them. What would that look like? So you've got a, a squad of 15, 20 players. How are you going to set that up to make that? Well, you, well, you, you, you can set up over whichever way you like, depending on the players that you've got in front of you and the space that you've got available to you. Um, you know you can't always play 15 on 15 and you won't always want to but enough defenders to make the practice you do viable enough defenders to be able to say pull them in occasionally and say that on the next on the third breakdown I want you to spread wide leave space around the rut or I want you to um, come up narrow and put real pressure on the 10 and 12 um, and then then talk about it afterwards, really. Talk about well, you know, what did the 9 see, what did the 10 see, what did the 15 see, when did they make the decisions that they were making, why were they making those decisions. It may be that they haven't seen it. The, the best place player to see most of it is the 15, actually, rather than the 10. Um, but also understand that the picture... The picture that they see when the ball is in the 9's hand is a different picture to when the 10 gets it in their hand, all right? But again, I'll come back. What is it the coach wants them to look at and for? It might be, for example, that we've got a kicking option. We want to kick it. What are they looking for in the backfield? Where are they going to kick it? What? How is that decision going to be made? Okay. Or it might be that we uh, we, we want to penetrate the, the defence up close, keep the ball in hand. Right. What are we going to call, or what? How are we going to move the ball, dependent on the picture that we see in front of us? But you may have to really slow it down to see that picture. Winston, I'm going to ask you more about the specifics of this. So, um, 
there is that level of understanding and you're going to slow it down, you're going to talk it through. So we're looking at the practicalities of a trade session because most sides don't have 15 versus 15. So they will need to think of some scenarios in training. What's in your mind, I'm putting you on the spot here, how many defenders do you need in a scenario session to make it worthwhile for scanning? Because if, it, if it's a 2v1 or a 3v2, that's not really scanning, that's a different sort of uh, situation. How many defenders do we need to be able to make the nine have to make some some decisions? It's dependent, dependent who you're training. So if you're training the nine, for example, you might get away with very few defenders, you might put some cone down to represent the rock or the moor, mm. and you might have some, some close indecisions, you know, when to snipe, when to pass, that sort of thing. So maybe three, three yeah, defenders? Yeah, possibly. However, that, even that, that's not ideal, because if we're looking at, looking at the picture in front of you, the more defenders you can get in front of you, the better, mm. because actually that replicates what you see in the game. Now, you might have some small... Some small um, uh, areas that you work in with just nine and ten with a very few number of defenders, but but the problem with that is that's not what the field looks like. And we're talking about decision making, intuitive decision making. And we're talking about scanning and looking for the picture at the front of you, looking at you know the fullback's covered the other wing or is out of position or they've just lost the, lost the ball and he's, he's up in the line in a space behind. To do that, you need more defenders. And it may actually be that you pack more defenders and you've got attackers. But there's a caveat on that, because you also, the, in terms of scanning, you also have to be aware of what's around you and what's behind you and both beside of you, and you make decisions based on that. So it's a, it's a difficult call. Um, the more that you can have in your session, the better. The only other possible way to... To, to do it is to talk them through it and the options available and you, you might use other stuff but the problem with other stuff like bags and stuff is it's static and the game ain't static mm. and players don't stand still so scanning decision making the more players you can have the field the better really and I don't really see a, a good way around that it sounds like a real challenge for <coughs> coaches anyway I mean uh, we from, from a player's point of view, the more that they can play matches um, and have some good, decent feedback from the matches, that's going to really help them. So in a training session, really, you're going to struggle to do the, the whole game. But from a say, scrum half's point of view, when they're looking at, they're not going to see much wider than five defenders, are they? So five defenders probably okay. So the next thing to do is we've got to think about Ten, and I was very interested by the say what you're saying is you're not just scanning the defence. You are, you've got to have an awareness of who's around you because you can say right, well the space is on the, on the wing, but if I've got only a centre and a prop outside me, it isn't going to happen. So we've got to help them understand that. So how we're we going to again, because so, the question really asks us, players looking at the ball, they're not looking around. I mean, are, are the players spending their time moving their heads left, right, forward and front? No, or are they, are, they, <coughs> are they trying to pick up different information? Well, that's where you have to be specific in what you want them to scan for. Because if they look too wide, they see nothing at all. 
So it might be that your initial decision making is based on what you see in front of you at that moment in time. Okay, and what happens after that happens after that because as we know and as we've said, the picture is continually changing. I suspect that under 15 years of age, the picture doesn't doesn't change as much as it will when you're 24. But that nevertheless, it changes. So maybe the nine and 10 um, and, the, and the 15 to a degree uh, are scanning and looking for what immediately affects them. And if the nine sees a gap and he goes, because he's seen that gap, but actually, it's not the best decision in the world because nobody's with him and he loses but gets turned over. Is it still a good decision? Well, is it a good decision based on what he's seen? Is it his fault? Well, maybe somebody else hasn't seen that. You know, so there's all, all ties in with communication and stuff like that. But I think that's what you immediately see in that moment is probably a determinant of what happens. It's probably the best determinant of what happens because the picture changes so much after that. So that's why I think, as a coach, be specific. What is it you want them to scan for? And I, I would suggest that that scan is an immediate scan based on the current situation. And I think it's important that the players have narrow the options down. Take... Often the problem is that players have a set play. We're going to run uh, this play, then uh, with this, these three players taking it up, the next three take it up, and then we may, we may switch back down to the blind side, or they have a, they have a move, which to a certain extent is, is, uh, is not terrible because you are trying to manipulate the defence. But it takes away some of the potential options. So... If the coach can help the players have a couple of what ifs. So, what if the defence is narrow? Then we do this. What if the defence uh, has uh, a dog leg or a space? Then we do this. So, give them two, two or three options, not just one option, two or three options, and then they can play from there rather than having either just play what you see in front of you, which I think is always a very dangerous way of help, helping players because actually it's very difficult for them to get the knowledge, give them two or three options, and then see what happens. And if they make a decision, they've made a decision rather than just... And when I say make a decision, what I mean by that is that they have a conscious reason why they've done something, as opposed to, well, I just ran it. No, I ran it because I thought I could beat this player. So is there a template that you've got in your mind of, these are the things that I would suggest an under-15, a good club under-15, say 10, should have as a what-if, which is practical for them to think about. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's not an easy question to answer because there's, in the way I coach and the way somebody else coaches, under-15s might be completely different. Hmm. And by that, what I mean is there may be preset calls and stuff like that. I wouldn't have a preset call at all at under 15 because I would want them to experiment and play and do exactly what we're talking about now mm -hmm. in terms of scan and make intuitive decisions based on what they see. So what I don't know is in this situation is, is there a group of set calls and you make a call based on what you see on in front of you, which is different mm -hmm. to you get the ball and then you make a decision based on that. Because we all know, particularly, particularly with young players, but not exclusively, if you have a set call, they have a 
nine times out of ten, they go with the set cool no matter what is in front of them. And they don't even look what's in front of them because they've got a set cool and this is what we're doing. And they're more worried about what's either side of them and behind them because they're, they're where they're pushing the ball. So I think it depends on the coach. From, from my point of view in terms of scanning, uh, and it is a million dollar question because I would say to you that I, I haven't conquered that yet because kids look at the ball unless they come from a football background and then it's a lot easier. Um, but I would say to you that, that the immediacy of the situation is what they should be looking at because after that point, what they scan has changed so much. Right, so I'm going to ask you another more specific. <laughs> so I think it is a difficult question. What do they need to see? What are the cues that is going to make is a key decision? Now, from, from my point of view, if, uh, if I'm quick, I want to uh, see someone slow, I'll, I'll take them on. If I'm big and someone's small, I'll take them on. So that is a very individual decision. That's clear. I, I fancy myself against this player. But if we're thinking scanning we're thinking i'm involving two three players around me what cues would you be suggesting to these under 50s well, well if it's kicking i think the cues are a bit easier because yeah. you're looking at where you are and you've got a bit, little bit more time because a little bit deeper and you're looking where the fullback is and stuff and the fullback's position might change as you receive the ball but if you're good enough, you can actually pull it into space. Yeah, so I'm going to so stop you there. Time. So the kicking thing there is, um, we see this a lot in uh, under 15s Kicking is sometimes um, the the option they take because nothing else is on, and they're not scanning. So really, a good kicker will will drop back a bit naturally because they sense this is the time to kick. So they've got to see that space. Yeah, before I, before even the nine gets his hands on the ball, it might be a pre call mm. anyway, and it might be like we're under a lot of pressure here. They're pushing up really tight. We can't break it. We need to get territory. So mm. it could could be a pre call. Uh, so so yes, as that, and I think so. So just to get to get to that, then so I interrupt there. Is that um, let us say that you've you've battered the the defence a couple of times, tried your best, you're not getting anywhere. So you know this is coming. So it's awareness of the fact that we cannot break them down by just passing and moving the ball. So scanning starts with awareness. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, it's what you're aware of, yeah. is the thing. So, so there might be... Um, we, we've all played on pitches where there's a corner that is really difficult to get out of yeah. as a defender. So you would hope that your 10 or 12 would put the ball down there. There are areas sometimes where it's muddy and unpleasant. I, I do remember playing an um, academy game, actually, where there was one corner which was real, real hell to get out of, and we never kicked it at all, the opposition did. Um, yeah, and that's something that we've spoken about since, about how do, how do we increase players' game understanding to understand that's a difficult area to get. Let's put the ball down there and make the play out there because we we can turn it over there. We can get some territory and we can get some possession. So there, it isn't just where the fullback is. It's the conditions on the day. It's it's where it's difficult and challenging to get out of. It's whether the fullback's right foot, left foot, all those things that that you build up that stock as the game yeah. goes on. So these are decisions I'm sensing that you discuss before you play. I mean on the. When on the pitch, you'd hope the players would be processing this, but naturally when you're under pressure, you're 
your lungs are busting, you're not necessarily going to see it. So when you get to the, the game, you, you, you scan the pitch beforehand and say, actually, this, isn't, this is going to be tough to get out of. What would we do to get out of this? If it's tough for us, what would you yeah, say? You, but you would hope that you've, you would hope at some point that players would have enough game understanding to work it out for themselves without you t- having to tell them. Mm. Um, and that didn't happen on, in this particular game I was talking about, mm. where every kickoff was down in, the, in our bottom left hand corner, and we struggled to get out of it because it was boggy and it was a bit of a dip in it and stuff. Mm. Um, and then we, when we had the same opportunity in the second half, we, we kicked every kick to the other side, you know. So you would hope that the players have some level of understanding or certainly something to talk about after the game around that decision-making and what they saw and what they learned from the first half, which is a little bit different from scat than what we're talking yeah. about in terms of scat. So that's like the slow thinking stuff. That is the stuff that you can talk about, think about before the game. The, the, the stuff that we're in a sense talking about is that in-game, in-motion... Uh, we will kick, pass, uh, move it short, move it wide, based on what we see in front of us. And we've got to try and help the players understand that. Yeah. So, so in terms of your... For me, you're scanning. It, it comes from that intuitive decision-making, but in order to make those decisions, you have to see what's there. Okay, In order to see what's there, you have to be, be put into those positions quite a few number of times beforehand. Remember the 15 as well? So... You know they they lack that some of that experience, but you can. You, this is a hand on the way. It's not the you're not going to get to the finished article at 15 years of age. So your your sessions can be based on that really changing the scenario, playing the same scenario and then changing it and saying mm-hmm. right, okay, why did you do that? Because oh, that's what I did last time. Yeah, but the pictures changed. So so it's that it's that in, intuitive decision making. Um, we both read it. Sources of Power by Gary Klein is worth a read on, on based on that. Um, it, it's having the experience before to have seen the picture or something slightly, very similar and then making the decision based on that. So as a 10, you see the, the 12 pushing up tight and the 13 hanging back. Well, hang on, you've got an option here now, so we can pull forward and push the ball behind them and then we're, we're well away, we're behind the defence. Well, you can replicate that in a coaching session, and then I would suggest you then change it. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at, um, if you want to look, and again, I would say nine, ten, and fifteen. If you want to look at the players in front of you, then you can put them in different coloured bibs rather than holding up cones, because all the cones get you to scan for is cones, um, and have a look at those players and. and you understand that this player is a little bit slower. This player is left-footed. This player is really quick. This player tends to hang back. This, then you can start to make some decisions on that. But then you change the dynamic of the defence, really. But I think it's it's that old adage of repetition, 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 and then change the repetition to to stimulate thought on uh, the pictures change now. What do they look for? What do they see? Videos are good. But videos don't always tell you the true picture because it doesn't show that the 11's running across at 100 mile an hour and the, and the support player is not quite there and stuff like that. Um, I think on-field, intuitive decision-making is scanning, but be absolutely clear. What are you looking for? What did you see? How did you react to what you saw? Could you have done something different?
okay, let's go again. And I think with that also, you have to make sure that your questions and what they're answering is not, they're not saying the things that you want to hear. You want to find the authentic reasons why they're doing it. Because otherwise, when they come to the actual games, they're, they're going to default to what they were, they were doing before. And I think another thing I've seen, which has been very good, is sometimes when they've, they've mic'd up players in, in matches, these players are the ones who are chatting and they're asking questions of each other. Where can we break the line? Where can we... we also have to remember that other players, when they mic them up, say nothing. Because they don't, they, that's not, they're not in there for scanning. They're going to do other things. I mean, we, can't, we can't expect them to be the all, all thinking, all understanding. So just in, in, in summary then, we understand this is a really tough question, especially for under-15s. Uh, we need to try and create as many scenarios as possible for them, and we need to try and condition the defence a little bit so they see a different picture and then make a different make a different decision. If you've only got, say, 15 players, 15, 20 players in your group, then it's going to be harder. But roughly we're thinking five or six defenders at least to make yeah, a well, picture. Yeah, well, you tailor you tailor you... Try and put seven there, mm. because um, you can play eight on seven, mm. and, and you just play a, a back line if you like against the back line, mm. or you play a, you know, a, a maul and against the maul or ruck against the mm. ruck. But the more defenders you can get in, the better, because that's what's going to help you to make the decisions mm. you make. If we're talking about scanning, you need to see what's there. But what I would say, like, again, I would guard against, you can't scan the whole pitch for everything, because you'll miss it. And when you've looked one way, the way that you've just looked from, the picture's changed already. Yeah. So I would say your immediate, the, the immediate impact, what does that area look like? I think, I suppose the final point that I'd make is that if you uh, watch international rugby and watch the top top players in the, sort of the nine, ten position, the nines are chasing across the field to get to the ball. But as they're arriving, they are, their awareness of what's going on is incredible. They know that when they get the ball, they've got to clear it away, but they've got an awareness of what players around them are doing. The tens, they're not sprinting into position, they're wandering into position. So they've got that time and space to, to scan. So that, that's good. I mean, we were, we were coaching today and I was watching the tens and they were sprinting into position and they had no chance to scan. Cause, so they just need to be able to almost anticipate where they're going to be a bit bit earlier. Anyway, Gary, as usual, we've um, we've discussed it. I don't think we're necessarily. I don't think we disagree, but it's it shows that this is a tough area. Is there anything else you'd like to add to a coach in terms of the the practicalities of that? No, maybe not about the practicalities. Uh, other than um, they're under fifteen or fifteen years of age, yeah. so their experiences is could be pretty limited, I, I suspect it is. So your expectations have, have, have got to be um, according to their experience, really, and small steps. Kids look at the ball, particularly kids that are not that experienced anyway, and even experienced players do tend to. So slow steps, one or two decisions based on what they've seen, but be really, really specific about what you want them to look for. Great. Thank you very much, Gary. Thanks very much for, uh, for listening in. This is Rugby Coach Weekly. If you want to find out more about this 
podcast, uh, go to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button. Thank you very much for the questions. Uh, please send in more questions to editor at rugbycoachweekly.net and we will uh, try to get back to you with some answers. Thanks for listening.